Hello and welcome back to the One Take Show podcast. In this episode, we are in conversation with two of the most special guests that are featured on the podcast. We are in conversation with Krishnesh Papat and Tanmay Singh. Krishnesh is a lawyer practicing in New Delhi, and Tanmay is the associate counsel at Internet Freedom Foundation. Both Krishnesh and Tanmay are working for this organization called Internet Freedom Foundation, which they will speak about at the end of this podcast. Meanwhile, what we talk about in this episode is the entire fiasco around Twitter, it losing its intermediary status or the immunity that was granted under which. and all the controversy that surrounds the new it rules how is it going to impact the internet structure our freedom of speech on internet and the social media platforms and how we as consumers are going to get affected or the users what are the pitfalls and what are the things that we need to be aware of so if you like this episode which i'm 100% sure you will please make sure you like share and subscribe to the channel if you have any suggestions or feedbacks write them down in the comment section i would love to read them as ladies and gentlemen without further ado let's jump right in you want something go get it period 3 2 and 1 we are recording hello krishnesh hello tanmay thank you so much for joining me for this episode i am so excited because the topic that we are going to discuss in itself is such a burning issue it's raising so many questions everywhere and i think the entire legal fraternity is excited curious especially the law students that i have interacted with they're really curious about what exactly is happening since it somehow directly impacts us we all use these platforms and these developments are obviously of utmost importance so i'm really really grateful that both of you could take time off your busy schedule and sit down with me for this conversation so thank you so much krishnesh thank you so much tanmay for joining me thanks so much for having us kostav uh, we are as curious as as you are so this should be fun <laughs> perfect thank you for having me right and let me begin this conversation by asking you about the conceptual understanding of what exactly the issue is so not a lot of our viewers would be sort of aware of what exactly happened and what is happening every day the developments that keep happening so conceptually what do you believe or understand that these developments are what exactly is it happening with twitter and what are the rules and regulations that are in place i think we'll start with krishnesh and then we'll move to tanmay okay so the genesis of this entire issue is it rules 2021 these rules have been notified under the information technology act now these rules basically regulate social media intermediaries they regulate digital news media and ott platforms so they basically regulate uh, the entire internet or our interaction on the internet uh within social media entities there's a division significant social media entities have more onerous obligations as compared to social media entities uh now twitter is a significant social media intermediary and the obligations for which as i mentioned are more onerous the deadline for them to comply with those obligations was may 25th now those obligations broadly are that they have to appoint a nodal officer based in india they have to appoint a resident grievance officer they have to appoint a compliance officer amongst other things so there are a range of obligations now the entire dispute between the government and twitter is that the government is claiming that the twit that twitter has not complied with these obligations uh which is which is where this entire dispute has started twitter before delhi high court has claimed otherwise they have claimed that they are in process of or they have already complied with these obligations and this effectively is a factual question which which needs to be answered 
Yeah, I think the issue is much larger than Twitter. Twitter is, of course, uh, the most interesting front where this battle is being waged. Um, it, it relates to three um, major aspects of the internet, as Krishnesh pointed out, the social media intermediaries, OTT platforms, and digital news media uh, platforms. Um, Twitter is just one amongst one set of those things. Twitter is just one social media. Um, a lot of people would have followed the whole saga that, that happened and has been happening with WhatsApp. Uh, a lot of people will recall it was not long ago that the whole OTT platform controversy erupted with um, with a particular show that was on Amazon Prime called Tanda. Uh, digital news media has always been a bit of a controversy. And even now, um, with Twitter, digital news media has sort of been lumped in together. Um, when there was talk of Twitter uh, losing their intermediary protections and their intermediary status, uh, an FIR was filed, uh, I believe it was in Ghaziabad, uh, against Twitter for spreading fake news and a bunch of uh, digital news media websites and uh, their journalists had also been impeded in that complaint. So there's there's a lot of um, battles being fought of which Twitter is one. Right. And I think these developments have been happening for some quite time now. Like we've seen a cultural shift in a way. I think this could be because there is a reaction to the development of these platforms, the OTT platforms, or maybe the social media platforms that are intermediaries. But there is a consensus that these developments have been happening in consequence of one another and after one after the other. Now it has sort of reached a new interesting peak. And one question that comes out of it is that there must have been a rationale behind introducing these IT rules. And what exactly is it that the government is trying to achieve with it? And why is it that the ID rules are specifically moving towards creating this either a sense of accountability or another culture where intermediary, these intermediaries are sort of put in a particular position, may it be positive or negative from different perspectives, obviously. So conceptually, why is it that the government has come out with ID rules? What exactly is it so unique about the ID rules that now it has started creating these controversies? Uh, maybe I can answer the first half of the question. Uh, why is it that the government has issued these IT rules? Now, regulation of internet is something which is extremely important. It's something which, which needs to happen because a lot of things which take place on the internet are not always positive. So we have cases where people are abused on the internet, where they are trolled, where uh, their privacy is breached by other people. In all these situations, the government needs to protect the ones which are most vulnerable. And uh, for that purpose, it is necessary that some regulation takes place. IT rules 2021 is not the first regulation of the internet. Internet has been regulated in the past as well. There was a previous version of these rules from 2011, which also regulated how these intermediaries operate. Apart from that, Information Technology Act itself gives government broad powers to either take down content over the internet or even intercept conversations which take place over the internet. So regulation of internet has been is something which has been going on for a while. Now this entire debate around IT rules, and I think Tanmay can elaborate on it better than I can, is, is entirely about whether this regulation is correct or not. And that, that's where this dispute lies. No one is, I, th I don't think anyone's claim is that you should not regulate the internet at all. The question is whether IT rules 2021 regulate it in a manner which is in consonance with the constitution. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's exactly right. Um, and I think one of the things that we need to be very mindful of is that 
there are two very distinct aspects that we have to keep very distinct there are two different things one is the reason for doing something and the second is the benefits of doing something and we must be very clear that the two things are not the same i'll give you an example um exercise is really good for you it, it has numerous health benefits but that's not the reason why i exercise i exercise because i enjoy it right so the the benefits of something and the reasons for doing something are two completely different things and now i entirely agree that there are a lot of benefits um to be had from properly regulating activities on the internet uh there are a lot of issues nobody is saying that that the internet should go back to its wild west ways of the late 90s and the early 2000s uh there is a large um, issue with cyberbullying there is a massive problem with fake news impersonation is a concern and all of these concerns need to be um solved now those would be the benefits of um proper it rules but those are not the reasons for why these it rules have come about the reason why this it rule has come about is because there is a larger greater atmosphere crushing dissent of exercising greater control over speech over citizen speech particularly when it doesn't agree with the point of view that you're trying to push through uh, the airways and uh, so so we have to be very clear that why is this happening not what are the benefits to be had from this happening right i mean sure there is uh, with the reference to the cyber bullying i think i had a very interesting conversation with mr shreya singhal and we talked about the entire case and how the freedom of speech on social media also sort of had its own repercussions and i think that's a very interesting point that you put forward tanmay and i think i'm going to jump a gun and ask you a subsequent question on a similar tangent there was a similar report out on quent which talked about how these new it rules are against human rights they attack freedom of speech and i'm sure there is a huge section of society um and i'm not passing a verdict here whether who's wrong and right uh, the decision obviously is out there for uh, the public to have but with the friends there is a huge consensus where they debate that these rules are required the there needs to be a sense of accountability i think one very popular example of it was mr sanjay hegde's case against twitter which was i think still sub judies uh, to last what i checked these these things these both sides sort of exist so if i ask both of you what exactly is the nature of the statement when we say that these intermediaries are supposed to be responsible or whether these it rules are an attack on human rights and if that statement is slightly more plausible against the other so i'll start with tanmay i think you've stated something of the on a similar line what do you think about this statement kosab i think both positions can can exist simultaneously i don't think that these two groups have to be against each other i actually uh, belong to both camps um i strongly believe that greater regulation is required um i i believe that corporate accountability is required uh, some of the ways in which twitter for example if we talking specifically about twitter some of the ways in which twitter um follows its its own policies is inconsistent it's it's arbitrary a lot of ways it's unilateral but my concern is not that we don't need the rules at all my concern is that these rules are really not the right way to go about it these rules are Uh, an issue from a human rights perspective they most certainly do cause adverse effects on the freedom of speech they cause um, adverse effects on the free, uh, on the right to privacy both of which are, are human rights um, access to information is going to become seriously limited as a result of the application of these rules and all of these concerns exist with these rules not necessarily with the concept behind these rules yes we need to challenge uh, and curb fake news but do we need to do it in this way certainly not
Yeah. Krishnesh, do you concur with this statement? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, no one's questioning the intention of the government to perhaps bring out these rules. For instance, they... Uh, I, am. <laughs> I am. I am. They, uh, I, I, I am not necessarily of the view that all of the benefits of regulation that, that I... Uh, that I listed out earlier are the true intention behind these rules. So I, I mean, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but you know, I had to. So just like to add on in the sense that uh, when I say that no one's questioning the intention, no, I, I just refer back to what I said earlier in the sense that no one is questioning that we don't need to regulate. Uh, the question is, is this the manner in which the regulation needs to take place? And, uh, and that's why we have seen uh, multiple entities challenge these rules across high courts in the country. So as of now, there are approximately eight to nine challenges which are pending across high courts. Uh, individuals and uh, corporations both have challenged the validity of both part two and part three of these rules before various fora. And uh, the question and, and like the word really is before the courts now. It's for the courts to decide whether these rules are constitutional or not. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and sorry, Kostad, just before we move on to the next thing, I just want to say that, you know, mm -hmm. we, we shouldn't lose sight of the real world effects of these rules. I mean, we, we speak a lot, uh, you know, from a bird's eye view uh, up in the air about human rights and manner of regulation and cyberbullying and all of these things, which may not always necessarily mean anything to, um, the you know, the, the everyday Indian. But these rules seriously affect almost all aspects of the digital life of the average Indian and millions of Indians uh, use internet on a daily basis. I think, I think India has about 700 uh, to 800 million uh, registered internet users, which is, which is a, a, a staggering sum. Um, the, the operation of these rules will determine what you say on social media as a direct consequence of that, they will affect what you can read on social media. Uh, they directly affect what sort of shows and movies you can watch on Netflix and Amazon Prime, which honestly, I spend about six hours a day on these platforms. Uh, they will directly affect the quality and the quantity of the news that you receive on your newsfeed. Uh, you'll have to go back to the screaming debate channels of primetime, 9pm TV, if that's what you want. Uh, so it's not, I, I just want to ground this discussion back into what will affect us on a daily basis. Uh, the, the average screen time for an Indian um, of the sort of viewership that, that you and I will have is approximately eight to 10 hours a day. And for those who work on the internet, it's approximately 16 hours, because if you're not asleep, you're either working on the internet or you're using the internet for leisure. And that's a ridiculous amount of time, all of which is going to be very strictly, very stringently regulated by these IT rules. So it's not, it's not, it's not an up in the air discussion that we're having. It's every day. Right. Right. I think, uh, if I can make a quick remark here, I think that when it comes to the intentions of the government, I think after demonetization, when it all became about cashless economy, we all sort of understood that the intentions don't necessarily, uh, uh, you know, background the actual activity, but it's an interesting position that you have put forward here. If I can delve into a slightly specific aspect of it, if I can ask you uh, that, what is it about the ID rules that you find problematic? I mean, both of you, if any one of you have observed any particular section, any particular regulation, anything that is very specific about IT rules that is problematic or that is sort of relevant in the present conversation about, let's say, intermediaries in the present case, what is it about the rules that you think is probably problematic in this case? Mm, I think to, to start off with, 
uh, as we discussed earlier, these rules regulate intermediaries and digital news media and OTT platforms. It's important to note, and this is like the first legal argument which a lot of people have been making, uh, is that Internet Information Technology Act does not necessarily regulate OTT platforms or digital news media. It does regulate intermediaries, but neither of these are intermediaries. So the question which arises is whether the government was empowered to regulate OTT and digital news media through a delegated de delegated piece of legislation, which is IT rules 2021. Uh, so the argument which is being made here is that the IT rules 2021, insofar as they regulate uh, OTT and digital news media, they are ultra wide ultra is the parent act, which is IT act, because they didn't even have the power to regulate these uh, entities. Uh, so this is the first concern, but apart from delegated legislation, which is to be honest, a legalistic concern, uh, but it does speak a lot with respect to how much power the government has vis-a-vis -vis the parliament, because honestly, the parliament needs to be regulating these, these things. The government cannot be oh, like usurping the role of the parliament, but apart from the delegated legislation argument, there are also issues of right to privacy and freedom of speech and expression, which are much more concerning. Uh, to which I refer to what Tanmay mentioned earlier of how this is going to impact of how a date of, of how a user experiences internet on a day-to-day -day basis. And the, you know, Krishnesh, what you're saying about the ultra-virus thing, it's not that legalistic also. It it also uh, is is very grounded in, in what you and I expect from this nation. I mean, I, the entire point of democracy is that we elect the lawmakers and then the, law, the elected lawmakers sit and make the laws. Now, just to just to put an ultra virus argument in, in the words um, that I would have understood back when I was a, a, a high school student is that we, the people of India, elect parliamentarians to enact laws. Now, the parliament has to enact a large number of laws uh, in a short amount of time. So what it does is that it, it, it enacts broad policy level uh, uh, sections in an act and then it delegates the power to to to, enact, to to just sort of like work out the details of of the of the workings of the act not not the intentions behind the act so uh, the the ministry of electronics and information technology the, the it ministry has been delegated this power by the parliament so the parliament in 2000 in its wisdom uh, enacted the information technology act 2000 where they laid broad policy provisions and they gave mighty the power the it ministry the power to to work out the, the the details in its rules it did not give this power to the ministry of information and broadcasting that power the usurpation uh, that that krishnesh is talking about and i don't know if usurpation is a word but the usurping that krishnesh is talking about by by the ministry of information and, and broadcasting that's undemocratic and that's what should concern every citizen of india because that's not what we voted for uh, in 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 what we love to proudly call the world's largest democracy, democratic principles must be must be followed very very strictly, um, and they must we cannot allow uh, our democratic power and this is the people's democratic power to slip away like this. Uh, okay. That's that's the that's the ultra virus argument and you know just just to just to uh, go back to something Kostov you had said earlier, it's interesting that you brought up demonetization. Did you were you able to access the original notification that uh, that that brought demonetization about? Mm -hmm. uh, and if you did, would you happen to remember what they had said was the stated reason at that time on November 8, 2016? It was fake currency notes. Uh, on day one, they said we are doing demonetization because of fake currency notes. They said nothing about black money. 
they said nothing about cashless economy they said obviously nothing about paytm they said nothing about any of the various reasons that we heard over the months so this goalpost shifting is something that you're likely to see uh, for these regulations as well uh, you're starting to see some of it already uh, national security etc has been thrown about when they're talking about traceability and encryption for whatsapp um safety of women online has started coming up with, which was which wasn't necessarily uh, one of the stated reasons at the beginning so you're going to see a lot of these reasons which are not the same as the reasons that the reasons that were originally given so that's going to be interesting now um having got that diversion out of the way otherwise it would have kept bugging me uh, to talk about some of the specific rules uh, that that cause issues is that there are existing procedures in place and i'm not saying that you can't amend existing procedures i'm saying that you can't amend existing procedures in an in an undemocratic unconstitutional way so in the shreya single judgment which as you mentioned you spoke to shreya single a little while ago in the shreya single judgment uh, section 79 section 69 uh, section uh, 69a of the it act they were all examined by the supreme court uh, they they were all held to be uh, in varying degrees and uh, certain other rules also framed under the it act were held to be valid by the supreme court on the basis of certain procedures which is that the the government will issue an order and the order can be um, complied with um, over certain timelines now these rules have seriously reduced these timelines uh, they reduced these timelines to such an ex extent that twitter which by the way has approximately 20 million users in india and think of how many tweets and status messages and comments and replies people post in india on a daily basis and how many uh, grievance reports that's going to generate on a daily basis how many complaints uh, twitter is going to see on a daily basis uh, the timelines have been so um, reduced so heavily that twitter basically has no opportunity to examine any um, request or order or direction in detail and apply its mind to it basically all twitter is going to become is a rubber stamp middleman uh, receiving a letter from the government and taking down my content uh, that is a serious attack on our freedom of speech uh, it causes what is called a chilling effect uh, and and a chilling effect this to speak to uh, the high school version of me is when you don't directly tell people that you cannot say something but when you create conditions that put a fear in my mind where i stop saying my i stop myself from saying something that i am otherwise uh entitled in law to say and that is the situation that you're going to see on social media uh going forward so that's one of the concerns a major concern um which i'm certain uh, you would have brought up with me if i if i hadn't done myself is the issue of traceability now whatsapp and whatsapp are not the only one there are other services also that offer end to end encryption and uh what end to end encryption basically means is that if i send you a message kosher only i can read it and only you can read it and nobody else in the middle can intercept that message or read it including including whatsapp even when the message uh, passes through whatsapp server so it's it's encrypted and only uh, your your device can decrypt it uh the traceability requirement which basically says that um social media intermediaries that offer messaging related services have to enable the traceability of the first originator of a message so if the message gets forwarded many times you need to be able to go back and find out who is the person uh, who first sent that message now there are millions of problems with this uh, anybody who hears of it the first time can come up with five off the top of their head for example what will happen if i just copy paste the message instead of forwarding it am i the, the no, am i the new first originator will i go to jail 
uh, those kind of issues if somebody sends it from outside india and it comes into india how do you know uh, it's not like how how does that person have jurisdiction um how will you disable end to end encryption and enable traceability only in india but keeping the global architecture of of the technology intact uh, it's i mean it, it's an unworkable it's an unworkable proposition so that's one of the problems uh, the constitutional problem with that is that it seriously affects your uh, right to privacy which was recognized by the supreme court in ks patiswami in 2017 uh as part of article 21 uh, I, i could go on really uh, i mean you'll have to stop me at some point so when krishnesh was talking about all of the various officers that these companies have to appoint one of them is a nodal officer that krishnesh has mentioned now the nodal officer according to the wording of the rules is literally called a 24/7 nodal officer according to the wording of the rules he is supposed to maintain 24/7 contact with the government authorities now what does this mean if you kostak have the misfortune of one day uh becoming a nodal officer for one of these companies and some officer from the ministry of home affairs calls you at 3 in the morning on a saturday you are now legally obliged to pick up that call and assist them with whatever it is that they need at 3 in the morning on a saturday because it says 24/7 there are no days off there is no evenings there is no weekends nothing who is going to take this job how is this going to work where is the practicality in these rules i mean this it's and it's not just this provision it's this this lack of practicality flows through all the provisions of the rules i mean it's it's it is what it is uh, please stop me i mean i'm just going to keep going if you don't <laughs> no no i actually i had a very specific question on that which i think you already answered when i was going to ask you about whatsapp's case in supreme and in delhi high court and how they're bringing up to some i think every uh, issue should be made a tax issue and subsequently it will reach uh, one of the higher courts and they'll make a judgment out of it but i think in this case uh, with the reference to whatsapp talking about the privacy issue which you have very beautifully examined as to how it is going to be traced back to the original sender and what are the practical issues involved in that and what are the various issues i think one of the major concerns that come out of it uh, is that now would the responsibility fall on myself which usually it did in the past but what exactly is the role of twitter anymore are they like they've lost the intermediary status and i'm i'm bringing this conversation back to twitter specifically i mean they they they've temporarily sort of lost that intermediary status or was it it was in a bay and now the question is back whether this intermediary status would be restored or not or if it is not to be restored or if it is to be completely done away with what could be the repercussions not just on twitter if you look at the stakeholders uh, the users the consumers the government what could be the repercussions of the same so sure like i would love to learn more about this one and yeah please any one of you could please feel free to speak about it so it's actually incorrect that twitter's intermediary status has been taken away okay uh okay. now under section 79 all these intermediaries have been given safe harbor which means that they cannot be held liable for content posted by other people which makes sense why should facebook be held liable for what krishnesh posts on facebook however unlawful it may be now the caveat to that is that they have the intermediary status as long as they comply with guidelines the government issues from time to time now the 2021 it rules is one of those guidelines now the government is saying that twitter has not complied with it rules and hence it has lost its intermediary status however that's a factual question which is for the court to determine so for instance in the ghaziabad fir case where twitter is named as one of the accused the prosecution can take twitter's officers to court and say that they should be held liable 
Twitter in response can say that I am protected by section 79, which gives me safe harbor. The prosecution can argue that you don't have safe harbor because you haven't complied with IT rules. But Twitter can very well say that we have in fact complied. Compliance with IT rules itself it's a factual, is a factual question. Intermediary status is not something which can be given and taken away. It is not a registration. So it is incorrect on part of generally media uh, to say that intermediary status of Twitter has been taken away. It's not a registration. Yeah, it, exactly. It, uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, if you don't mind me jumping in, Krishna, I was just yeah, saying, like once again to speak to high school uh, version of myself. Um, this losing the intermediary protection stems from rule seven of the rules, which is a penal provision. Now, who applies the penal provision? The courts do. The government does not. So, for example, uh, assuming just for the sake of discussion, uh, this has no resemblance to anything real. Assuming I commit a crime of some sort. Am I now automatically, do I disappear from where I am and reappear in jail? No, I have to be tried. There's a, a fact finding and evidence production stage that will happen before the courts. There's all sorts of various procedures and processes that have to be, uh, that, that have to go on before uh, a court will sit and decide whether the penal provisions of law have to be applied to me or not. Similarly, and it doesn't matter how publicly I committed this hypothetical crime. Like, I, I mean, I could be, I could be in the middle of Rajiv Chowk screening something that's just absolutely illegal to say and i still have to be tried regardless of like how many witnesses were there uh so so this the counter argument that i will definitely receive is but we know twitter has not complied that's not enough you know this but has it been shown in a court of law no it hasn't yet uh maybe it will be and it may very well be that the site uh that that twitter is not in compliance with the it rules and the it rules are valid and they need to be in compliance and they're not in compliance and therefore they will not have the intermediary status but that's a determination for that day not today as of today twitter continues to maintain its intermediary protections right i've been i've been trying Sorry, to get Krishna. in touch no no i've been trying to get in touch with some twitter executives so i can directly ask them although they've all refused my request saying this is a very sensitive matter i completely understand that um, but uh, this is a question like what exactly is the position of twitter are they uh, complying with the government are they in consonance with the id rules uh, because I I believe that their status, obviously all of these arguments and all of these conversations would make a lot more sense once the, uh, once the matter is somehow adjudicated by the courts. Uh, but as of this moment, do you think that Twitter or any other intermediary status, uh, intermediaries that are currently working in the industry and the upcoming ones that will soon find their way into it, would they... Would they find themselves in a position of agreeability with the government or would they have to put their foot down and possibly we'll see an exodus of a sort? Uh, so Twitter is also involved in the litigation in Delhi High Court where the petitioner is claiming that Twitter has not complied with the IT rules. Twitter in response in, the, in, in those proceedings as well as publicly otherwise has stated that one, we are complying with the rules and two, if not, we intend to comply with these rules. Uh, as of this date, these rules are valid. Uh, no court has imposed a stay on these rules and there is an obligation on all these intermediaries to comply with, with them. If they don't, then the consequences will ensue like we mentioned earlier. So what will happen is not that their status as an intermediary will be taken away, but they will be at the risk of potential prosecution in certain cases where they will have to raise the defense that they are complying with the rules or they are not complying with the rules. But it makes them 
uh, open to various prosecutions across the country. Uh, having said that, I would just go back to my previous point. They they do have to comply with these rules, and in my knowledge, at least, Twitter does intend to comply with these rules. I obviously cannot speak for what Twitter may or may not do. Right, right. I think one thing. I think uh, I'll also confirm this with Tanway. One fallout of these rules is going to be Twitter sort of acting arbitrarily, where they would have to save themselves from most of these cause of actions. So what they'll do is they will not take any risk whatsoever. They will simply suspend the accounts the moment they put out anything that they believe is uh, is incorrect. It's it's not appropriate or would land them in trouble. I think the entire Mr. Sanjay Higde issue would then become very rampant. Everybody would find them themselves in a position of shadow blocking, becoming sort of legitimized in in one way or the other. So is this a fallout that we as stakeholders should be very, very concerned about? Or is it an opportunity for like, let's say what happened with MySpace and other, other uh, companies coming in and replacing Twitter, but they would again have to comply with this and they will, if they do not, they will lose their status. So this again is a fallout on the consumers. Yeah, I think, I think you identified the problem like quite, quite accurately, actually, because so that's exactly the problem that Twitter will now start overzealously uh, self-censoring uh, and regulating content on its platform by its own accord. And I think the reason why uh, Twitter will be forced to do that or pressurized to do that is again, one of the rules that, that are contained in the IT rules, which is um, that Twitter can be held criminally liable under criminal law uh, for content that's posted on, on their platform. So if it's, if it's defamatory content, you go under civil defamation, fine. But if it's criminal defamation and I mean, imprisonments and arrests since you, that's a huge problem for Twitter. Um, I mean, the MD of Twitter, uh, Manish, I believe, has he he received a summons from Ghaziabad police station. Uh, he said, I'll, I'll do it online through video conferencing. They said, no, you come to the police station and you depose before us. Now, that's that's a surprising situation because I'm not Twitter's role is here. They, I mean, they just provide the platform. I mean, uh, if, if you have a problem with a theater actor, you don't sue the stage maker. Right. I think that somehow sums up the major part of the conversation that I was looking for. I'm really sort of uh, not just excited, also curious, but very uh, enthusiastic about learning more about this. And um, the like any law student these days, everyone claims to have an interest in technology law. And I'm sure like people are sort of learning into it. Internet freedom is something that is definitely one of the major areas where we all should pay a significant amount of interest and significant amount of attention needs to go there. And I'm really grateful that I have an opportunity to sort of speak about it with people who are working with an organization that beacons this entire idea, that beacons this uh, principle. So as, as, as before we sort of conclude this conversation, I think I would also like to, uh, if all the viewers are not introduced to it already, uh, sort of introduce everyone to Internet Freedom Foundation. So, Krishnesh, if you could please tell me what is IFF and uh, what is it exactly the principle behind this organization? So, IFF is a non-profit entity. We are run solely out of donations based out of members in India. We do not accept foreign donations. Our goal is, uh, we have numerous goals, but we primarily work to ensure digital rights over the internet are protected. There are a number of verticals in IFF. Tanmay and I are part of the litigation vertical. So we are responsible for filing strategic litigation cases across the country to ensure that digital rights of individuals are protected and the constitution is not violated. 
there are other verticals as well as well such as the rti or transparency vertical where we try and get more information about the policies of the government often these policies are taken uh, in are, are often these decisions are taken in an opaque manner and we seek more transparency regarding that there is also a policy vertical which constantly interacts with the government so before laws are made we provide our comments to the law government is proposing so that those laws are also mindful of the digital rights of indian users uh, apart from that a digital security vertical is also being built at iff which will provide indian users a better understanding of how they can protect their privacy on the internet so this is broadly these are broadly the different verticals of iff and uh, we we are totally committed towards protecting rights of users over the internet perfect and one of the major questions that now uh, you know sort of come out of this is how can law students or legal professionals number one use the services of this organization number two take the benefit out of it learn the various uh, developments that are happening the work that you've been doing and more so contribute maybe work for you or somehow help this organization out everyone who feels passionately about it would definitely want to know more about it so uh, maybe tanmay you could tell me a little bit about that yeah i think the the best and the most direct way to contribute uh, to what we're trying to do is uh, to just give us some of your money <laughs> as as krishnesh mentioned we're a not for profit and we don't accept any foreign funding and we don't accept a lot of organizational funding also we're entirely dependent on on you uh, the individual indian uh, citizen um, for our salaries and for all of our advocacy um but 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 beyond that uh, beyond simply uh, cash money uh what you can do to help is you can keep these conversations alive um we put out a lot of academic material and resources to to gain a deeper understanding into all of the various issues that you've heard of even some that you haven't yet heard of but will um we we invite you to engage with those materials we invite you to uh, you can even reach out to us if you want clarification if something is not uh, clear to you we're very very happy to have conversations uh, such as this one um we once you engage with the materials we we strongly encourage you to spread the word to spread awareness about these issues because uh digital rights is really not something it's not cloud it's not up in the air it's not in the cloud it's 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 on the ground it affects you on a daily basis it affects everybody on a daily basis so it's something that should be talked about all of the time uh that's one of the ways um another a uh, manner in which we 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 strongly invite support is if there are any issues that come up uh, please do share it with us uh, we we try to watch the news and all the various developments at a at a very close um, with a close watch uh, but there's always going to be something or the other that we will miss so we are very grateful to the iff community that constantly engages with us on our forum uh, you'll find the forum ring Uh, on our website which is internetfreedom.in um please visit the forum if there's anything uh, that we may have missed bring it to our notice if there's anything that we can do about it we 100% will and there's lots of different things that we do when we engage with an issue uh, some things are appropriate for strategic litigation so we take those to courts for some things where you might require more information uh, we file rti requests and the subsequent appeal process for some things we try to do community outreach and policy outreach 
uh, we we draft joint representations and joint letters. We engage with regulatory bodies. We engage with government office holders. We 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 have various uh, a, a whole menu of strategies that we employ, uh, whichever is the most appropriate for the issue at hand. So keep bringing us issues. Uh, we keep our watch. Sometimes we miss things, um, and we'd be very grateful for that. So those are many ways. Uh, and many of them non-monetarily, in which law students can help. Because I remember when I was a law student, I used to have like about a hundred rupees per day, uh, and I am not donating to an NGO uh, out of my hundred rupees per day. That was lunch money strictly. So I fully understand that um, you can pay us in information. Perfect, wonderful. I think this has to be the best pitch, and if I'm going to copy that, <laughs> ever if I'm going to use this. Bye bye, Devon. Yeah, no, you right now. <laughs> if you become a commercial lawyer, don't use it with your clients. It doesn't work. Commercial lawyers <laughs> have no use for this pitch. <laughs> no, I'm still in my final year. I'm still uh, just as confused. So no one knows. Uh, I might just be uh, right next to you, working for internet freedom in our country, and I might oh, as well exploiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that this actually is... is a fantastic mm-hmm. point uh, that that I missed out. Is uh, from time to time we put out uh, we. are a very small team of highly motivated and i'm saying it myself but it's still true highly uh, driven intelligent uh, hard working diligent people um, and we're constantly on the lookout for more so if if you follow us on twitter uh, the next time we we have a vacancy in any of our teams you'll find out about it so please do apply to iff uh, at the you know whenever there is a is a vacancy we're always looking for uh, the the the, the brightest talent wonderful perfect i think i was just reading one of your uh, one of the articles that i have put out on clubhouse and the rights about the same and it was really interesting and i think um i personally am a free speech absolutist for everyone who is at all concerned or is interested in knowing about free speech in our country and how internet plays a role in it would definitely love to learn more about it and would definitely connect with iff um as we conclude this conversation um Krishnesh, do you have any closing remarks for this conversation? No, I think Tanmay has uh, elaborated on IFF's works perfectly. We really look forward to engaging with people who are also committed to internet freedom. We want to interact with more of you. Uh, if you look at our Twitter or our Instagram, we we put out our work on a daily basis, which shows how much effort we are putting it putting on a day-to-day basis uh, towards securing digital rights. Uh, so yes, we look forward to actively engaging. With people, so that uh, our work also increases, and all, and at the same time, uh, rights are secured. Wonderful. And uh, Tanmay, do you have any closing remarks for our viewers? Yeah, my only closing remark is that the 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 clubhouse post that that you brought up that was Krishnesh. Uh, he he did the <laughs> most of the research and the analysis on it, and and you can tell uh, how in depth um, and and well researched it is. The other remark I want to make is thank you so much uh, for doing this and having us on. Uh, honestly. Uh, as we were discussing at the break uh, we were not law students the way you are you're really seizing uh, all of your opportunities and we're actually very very impressed um, please keep doing what you're doing uh, i think it's really important and you're also doing it well which is great this this conversation has been uh, super fun i don't know how it will come out when you actually do put it up perhaps your viewers will get bored and go to sleep but we uh, thoroughly enjoyed ourselves yeah, yeah we did and we look forward to enjoying the tunde as well 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. This is this is going to be one of my major agendas every time I visit Delhi. Is to number one, connect with you, meet you, learn more about your experiences, and sort of connect on a different physical plane altogether. And also to get you all the wonderful food from Lucknow, because again, we are out here to conquer the world with the food out here, straight from our. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Krishnesh. Thank you so much, Tanmay. It was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. And thank you so much for taking time out. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Thank Buster. Thank you. Thank you.